Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Good morning. Is this thing on? Okay. Well, there's a frog in my throat, and hopefully it'll stay away. Um, But I'm so happy to be back with you all this morning, um, and just thankful that Kyle asked me to come along um, while he's gone. Um, If you would, before we get rolling, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. And then also you can put your finger over in Romans 12 as well. Romans 12, we'll turn to that later. Uh, Verses 17 through 21. Well, I know that you all have been talking about um, unity uh, recently and walking through Ephesians with Kyle. Is that correct? Um, So I have this kind of Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible temptation because I know if I try to get to, down some water, it's just going to be an awkward gulp sound. I don't, I'm I'm like more scared of that than I am drinking the water. But thank you, <clears throat> I appreciate it. Um, well, it's interesting to kind of come in in the middle of like a series going through Ephesians. It's like, what do you what do you talk about, right? What is what is it that could be something that's helpful that doesn't totally um, go away from what's already being discussed? But also, I also get the privilege to talk to you in a very, I don't know if I call it privilege, but scary, uh, strange time, okay? Um, right now, there's been some things that have happened that are pretty wild and momentous in our culture. Would you all agree? Um, and that's kind of across the board. Um, and I'm not here to give a sermon on any, anything political. Um, I'm here to just say we're all Christians right now together, brothers, brothers and sisters, in a very strange kind of environment culturally um, where a lot of people are upset. A lot of people are um, just have various opinions. There's a lot of people raging against the church right now, regardless of what your ideas are about certain things. I've seen it. I know. Has anyone else seen that too? Like regardless of what we think about what's going on. Okay. No, one person's seen it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Let's all, if we've seen it, let's raise our hand. All right. Thank you. I'm not alone. Okay. I'm preaching to the choir here. All right. Yes, there's been some wild stuff being said, some wild stuff happening um, on kind of all sides. Um, and also recently, um, there's been some terrible tragedies that have happened in this country, right? Evaldi. Um, and people ask, or people start to accuse God in these situations. Um, they start to accuse God and attack his church and say, why? Why would this be louder? Um, why would God allow this? Why aren't 
Oh, I'm starting to do the mic thing. I, I'm hoping it's, it might be my beard hitting the mic. <laughs> it's very possible. But let's go ahead and dive into 1 Peter real quick, which I don't know what I should do to fix that. I need to see, okay. Talk louder. Talk louder? Okay. Um, so in 1 Peter, uh, you have Peter writing to the church that at this time, it's around A.D. 62 to 64, and um, there's also something that's about to happen in A.D. 64 to Christians in different regions that is pretty significant. They're about to go through, or are already going through at the time of the writing, because we're not entirely positive when this was written, this letter, a massive persecution a massive persecution where there's in at least certain regions where the church um, by Emperor Nero was persecuted and terrible things were done to Christians. Um, there were several people who were put to death during this time. Um, it was really just a, a terrible time that thankfully we haven't really had to experience at all in this country, right? Um, and just along those lines, um, He's, he's talking about Christians having to choose to suffer and make sure that they do right in the face of evil that is happening to them. And while this is a very uh, different, much more high-stakes situation than anything that the church is facing right now in this culture, um, I think that it's important to kind of reflect on. So let's go ahead and read 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17, and we'll just kind of walk through it after that. So he says here, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. I'm also reading from the ESV if you're wondering. Verse 10, for Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 13, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. That's a very significant passage right here. Um, but in verses 8 through 9, I just want to point out that he starts this whole kind of section off about suffering and suffering for righteousness sake by saying that speaking to the whole the whole church he's saying have unity of mind 
sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So as a church community, it's important whenever something is happening um, where the church starts to become reviled and there's maybe some hostility, uh, both individually but also as a church, we have to be united, right? We have to show brotherly love to one another. We have to be humble because when we aren't, when the church fails to represent Christ well, what happens? You can tell me if you want. I like a little bit of interaction. Christ's name is what? Misaligned. Yeah. It, it's, it's maligned, right? It's, there's, there's a bad testimony of who Christ is, right? When we do bad at what Christ asks us to do together, and we're, it's repeated over and over and over again through the apostles, through his own teaching, Jesus is like that we are to be united, love one another. And if we are failing at that fundamental level, it's hard to do a lot of the other things right. Um, but I also wanted to just kind of add here, in, in this being united in mind, um, having this kind of brotherly love together as a church, so that, and, and these things are building blocks to help us as a church be strong when, th- when things do go south, when suffering does come, or when um, the church is maligned culturally. Um, we have to be strong and make sure that our witness is good, but how can we as a church community do these things well if we're not shoring up those foundations in our own families, right? In our own families. And I know that that can be difficult because sometimes we have family members who aren't maybe believers, right? And that can become difficult. But if, if it relies on us as much as it relies on us, we should make sure that we are striving to build unity in Christ in our families so that when we come to church as a family, we're able to be an example to the brothers and sisters in Christ around us. I'll never forget um, my closest, one of my closest friend's dads just passed away um, from COVID uh, just this past spring, a week after my grandfather passed from it. And it was just wild that that even happened for one and terrible. But I remember that I went to church, to his church, as this just punk teenager. I had the skater hair, like Bieber hair. Y'all remember that? I hope you know what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not proud of it, all right? I'm not proud of it. But I had the whole hair flip thing. It was so much of a hair flip that when I cut it, I just kind of did a phantom flip. And it's really, it was really embarrassing, okay? It was really embarrassing. Um, but anyway, I was going to this church, and at the time, my family was not Christian, right? I was the only one going. And so what his family and what his dad was able to do to show this kind of love and humility and foster that in his family was, had a massive impact on my ability to learn how to even do that. Does that make sense? To even learn how to do that, you've got to see it done and practiced. So this is kind of an aside, but I think it's important to say, because as a church, when suffering or persecution comes, or whether it's individual, whether it's to a particular church, um, we have to make sure that we're united together. 
and that we are living out the example of who Christ is together, individually, as families, but also as the whole body of believers. Our churches should be a refreshing place to be. Our churches, when this type of stuff happens, let's say for our situation, right? There's just a lot of cultural frustration and debate going on. Our churches need to be a beacon of light in the midst of all that, right? We need to make sure that we're reflecting the light of Christ like we're commanded to be salt and light. So in verses 8 through 9, it continues on. Do not repay evil for evil. And then he says, on the contrary, bless. Okay, this is fundamental to this whole sermon. (laughs) How can we really, when we feel so unjustly hurt or harmed by somebody, maybe it's something that they said in a message, maybe it's something they did, maybe it's something that someone did 10 years ago, but it was evil done to you. I've heard so many times people say, well, someone just needs to apologize, right? When there is some sort of situation like that. I'm just waiting for them to apologize. I have news for us. And something that will help us not repay evil for evil, which repaying evil for evil would also be being bitter towards someone and resenting them and hating them and not being loving towards them for something that they did. I know that that can be hard when people have done terrible things. That is hard, right? But I have something for us. Why are we waiting on an apology? Did Jesus command us to forgive those who do evil to us once they've apologized? I'm asking. Did he? Because I would like to see that passage. But he did command us to do what? Forgive others as God and Christ has forgiven you. Right? I think that this kind of forgiveness is at the root of this right here. Like how can... Because, you know, we have like just things that happen and just not being mean in that moment back. You know, not being evil for what the evil is that's happening to you but there's also just this mindset that has to be there that we find the power to do this in Christ and his own forgiveness for our sins right that we have to be willing to tap into we have to make it a practice to be forgivers amen we have to be forgivers we're commanded to be And so when we're maligned or when people are just being nasty to the church or us, there's a, there's a sense like in today's culture, there's a sense that we just want to like round up everybody and be like, all right, we're going to battle. You know, we're going to have a Facebook battle with this person, you know, or a Twitter war, right? Or in public, just going to debate somebody just for the sake of winning that debate. We got to make sure that our motives In these times when things are really tumultuous, our motives for what we say, what we type, what we do, are rooted in Christ, right? Rooted in His love and forgiveness. Because that will be the guidepost to help us do the contrary. Which is here, it says, bless. When's the last time that you 
intentionally, instead of, or when someone has done something terrible to you or said something that was really offensive or evil, when's the last time you turned around and you blessed them with something? Maybe by encouraging them. Maybe by not taking part in an argument, but offering prayer. Right? Because not every argument's worth arguing. It really isn't. Not everything that's bad to us that, that happens from people, we don't need to always just seek our own justice, right? In fact, we'll see later that we really shouldn't do that. Um, so moving on to verses 10 through 12. So here Peter is quoting um, Psalm 34, 12 through 16, um, or mostly quoting it. Um, it says, whoever desires to love life and see good days. So whoever wants a fulfilled, full life, see good days, avoid evil, right? Avoid not just evil. You can't always avoid bad things happening to you. And by the way, every time a bad thing happens to you, it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's evil. Pain sometimes, like you touch a stove, right? Uh, you're going to feel pain if it's hot, thankfully, so that you don't damage your body, right? And sometimes, in this, C.S. Lewis has said once, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world, right? So we're thinking of evil and evil things that people do. Sometimes God allows us to go through trials, evil things that happen to us, yes, so that we can come out stronger on the other side. Sometimes he allows that storm so that we can learn something that without having that storm, we could not have learned or known and really understood and owned and made a part of who we are for Christ, right? So he says here, turn away from evil and do good. And this is practical because if we try not to you know, repay evil for evil, we're going to stop this cycle, right? Because what happens to people, so I, I do something bad to my wife, Katie, let's say. I, I promise I don't intentionally ever try to do anything bad to Katie. I don't try to do anything evil to her, all right, that I'm aware of. She makes me know, like, lets me know if I do. But let's just say um, that I do something like that, and she decides that she's got to get me back, you know? It's that kind of mentality. Like, oh, no, he did not. I'm going to get him in this area, right? Like, oh, he did not just talk about uh, doing the laundry. He never helps me with the dishes, right? And this is just a fun example for a much deeper issue. There's this kind of need to get someone back that we've got to be willing to stifle and, and pause on, right? And think intentionally through before we just harm somebody. Right? Because that's not what we learned from Christ. And this is practical because it helps us to avoid these cycles of wrongdoing. Right? This cycle, painful cycle of wrongdoing that happens. How many times have you seen today in our culture someone posts something on Facebook or Twitter that just lights up this person or that and then people just start going back and forth and it becomes this mess, 
right? That's not how God would have us act as Christians, right? There's, there's a difference from really trying to engage with someone and just attacking someone to cause harm upon them, right? So that's important to distinguish. And he also says at the end of that section, that little quote from Psalms, that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So if we start doing evil in response to people doing evil things to us, what is that going to do with our relationship with the Lord? I mean, we might be, yes, Christians, okay, but the Lord can discipline us if we start doing really wicked things, right? So let's be wary of that. In verses 13 through 17 here, um, he points out, um, I'll just read verses 13 through 14 real quick. Uh, again, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be what? Blessed. Suffering for righteousness sake in the face of evil. If you are willing to suffer, which usually means putting aside some right or ability to do something that you have, or to endure, right? If you are willing to suffer that evil for righteousness sake, if you are doing this for the sake of righteousness and who God is, maybe it's for the gospel message itself, right? Then it is a blessing to take part in this. This is, I've heard, this is going to sound bad, right? I, but I've heard several people over my course of being a Christian just kind of say, God will never let anything bad happen to you. Have you all heard that before? Is that a biblical statement? No. I'm and if, if someone kind of thinks that here, I'm, I apologize, but it's just not. Um, and it's misleading. I've, had, I've seen people get their faith rocked because they believed that God would never do something bad or allow something bad to happen to them. But it says in Scripture that trials give us endurance, Right? When bad things happen, we are forced to turn to the Lord rather than ourselves, right? There, there are many things that happen with that. And also, we are taught by Jesus and the apostles to suffer for Christ. That we are going to be reviled and hated because of Jesus. Do you all recall that passage? He says they will hate me because they or hate you because they first hated me. We should not be surprised when we stand for righteousness, when we stand for truth and the gospel of Jesus, that people will revile you. It's going to be awkward. You're going to be in situations where you feel the Holy Spirit uh, compelling you, maybe to to speak the gospel into someone's life or to pray for them, and they might not respond well. They might say, you know, insert explicative here uh, to your Christianity, right? I'm, right? Has anyone ever had something like that happen? I have. 
okay? You're trying to be loving and kind to someone and they reject what you're trying to do. But that's okay. We have to be willing to suffer that. We have to be willing to go through those awkward situations, all right? Thankfully for me, God has gifted me with the ability, strangely, to love, not love, but just be able to soar through awkward situations somehow, and in fact, I create them. My wife always gets on me about that, like, why? You're so awkward. <laughs> like, why? like, everything, I don't know. It's just how things go for me. But sometimes, you know, some of us might be more skittish or, or scared to be willing to suffer that awkwardness for the sake of righteousness. I think that that's important to reflect on. Like, are we willing to be hurt for the sake of God's glory? Are we willing to be harmed? Or are we protecting ourselves from any harm by never doing anything that God has asked us to specifically do outside of going to church? That's a harsh <laughs> statement, but it's, it's a challenge, right? If we're protecting ourselves from doing what the Lord's called us to do that might cause harm on us in the face of people maligning the gospel or unclarity, there's a vast amount of unclarity right now about what Jesus, who Jesus is, what the gospel is, who God is. It is amazing, right? In a bad way, how little knowledge people have of who Jesus is anymore. And I, like I did youth ministry for several years, like I watched those trends happening, right? Like the, the culture at large is post-Christian. So are we willing to take that stand to clarify who God is? Yes, he can stand up for himself. We don't always have to engage in the situations, but if the Holy Spirit of God is directing us in the face of evil to stand for what is good and right and true and for the gospel, are we willing to take up our cross? Right? Are we willing to take up our cross? Because it's going to probably cause some awkwardness and some suffering, but why are we doing it? That's important, right? Our motivations cannot be for just to repay someone with evil or to get back at them or try to win an argument. Our motivation should be clear to represent Jesus well, right? To be an example of the light of the world that we've been called to be. I promise I'm not texting. I'm looking at the time for y'all's sake, okay? I have my phone. Sometimes people are like, what's he doing up there? It's just the time. So he says next in verse 15, I just want to rehash this real quick. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make what? A defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And then what does he add there? It's a really significant part of this. Do it with gentleness and respect. Oh, how different this world would be if Christians did this well. Right? 
how different things would be if Christians did not rage against people who disagree with them, but showed them the love of Christ and the truth about who He is, not only with the words that they speak or type, but the way in which they speak or type those words. Right? How we approach these situations, how we defend the hope that is in us is important. But it's also important, don't miss this here, that he's saying to be prepared for the evil day, right? Be prepared, even just for every day. Be prepared to defend the hope that is in you, the reason for the hope that is in you. That can be as simple as a testimony. But at least be ready with a testimony to defend your faith. Am I right? At least... Don't be scared. This, is, this falls under the, the, the word for defense is apologia. Apologia. All right? That is where we get the term apologetics. The defense of, specifically for Christianity, the Christian faith. Right? Don't be afraid to d- go down that rabbit hole and equip yourselves with, a, with good arguments for reasons for why you believe what you believe. We are called to be equipped. We are called to grow, right? Let's not be afraid of that. There are good arguments out there and reasons beyond Scripture, but they have to be rooted in Scripture, though. Because I'm telling you what, Romans tells us that the power unto salvation is the gospel. The gospel. So make sure that you are equipped with Scripture with the gospel, that you have it down, that in this day, when you are challenged on what you believe, you are prepared to give a clear answer for the hope that is in you. With scripture, with reasons, with gentleness, with respect. And it can be as simple as, let's say my testimony. I grew up without anyone in my family being a Christian. In fact, at a time, there was hostility toward that. And I awkwardly was that punk kid as a Justin Bieber kid. And I went to uh, you know, youth group and I heard the gospel a bunch of times, uh, but I didn't, it didn't really mean anything to me. I was going because there was a girl there that I was going for. And uh, yeah. she gave me a Bible though. And at my lowest point, when my parents were going through a terrible divorce and I felt very alone in my lowest point, the gospel message of Jesus and his forgiveness and the love that he offers hit me in a different way one day. It started to be heard by me for the first time. The gospel that I heard the preacher give for several years while I was going to this youth group that just kind of went like this every time. But then one day it mattered and it meant something. It was God and his providence helping me hear the gospel. And in my room alone that night that this happened, without any preacher, I gave my life to Jesus. And since then, even though I can't explain it, His Holy Spirit that night blanketed me with love that I couldn't explain. 
And from that moment, as I tried to go party and do these stupid things that I was a part of and try to still hang on to those friends that all that they cared about was fulfilling their own selfish lusts. And I started to realize that through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I couldn't take part anymore. It was something beyond what I could explain. It's a conviction of the heart that I never had. And that is God and his goodness and what he's done. So what's your testimony? You know, and now, I mean, it goes on. Then, through God's power, somehow, my dad turned to the Lord. How? I thought he would be the last one. Then, somehow, years later, through much difficult conversation, and me being a fool for Christ, sometimes harmfully, somehow, through all that, then my mom, And my stepdad. Jesus is able to raise things that seem dead to life. Right? Or that are really dead. Don't give up on his power in your life. There, testimony. What's yours? I just spoke with my friend recently who... Well, I won't say that next part. I spoke with my friend recently and he told me how convicted he was growing up because he didn't have a powerful defense or testimony for what God has done in his life. But he realized over time that that was a blessing that he didn't have to go through some of the things that people do before knowing Christ. Don't you dare be ashamed that you have been blessed to not have to experience those things. It is not a badge of honor what people have had to go through because of the rejection of Jesus to get to that point. Am I right? So be thankful, whatever your testimony is. Know what your testimony is. Know the reasons for your faith because we live in an evil age, people. And right now, the culture around us hates Christians. Regardless of what your view is on stuff, like I'm telling you, and maybe you haven't seen it much, Maybe you've done a wise thing, uh, you know, to some people at least might be wise and just like blocked off all the social media and all that stuff. Okay, well, as a preacher and someone who's trying to like preach truth, I got to know what's going on a little bit. All right. And from what I've seen, uh, it's overwhelming. But there's peace and rest to be had amidst all of that in Christ. There's peace and rest and solid, consistent, never-changing truth. Even though the culture around us, what is, what is truth? Like Pontius Pilate asked, right? There's a different truth every week, right? There's a different thing that people have to follow, a moral kind of cultural thing going on that's just ever-shifting, right? But in Christ, we have an ever-consistent, true, pure Morality that we can cling to, right? So turning now to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Yeah, I was originally going to cover... I will go back to First Peter, just so you're aware. So you can keep your finger in there or whatever. Bookmark. 
So just to reiterate that last section, be willing to do the groundwork in your life to be prepared, right? Be prepared and be willing to stand up. Yes, introverts, I'm sorry. That also means you. My wife is an introvert. She hates when I point this out. She is, but she's a wonderful introvert, right? And I'm somewhere in between, who knows? But no matter what our disposition is, and extroverts, by the way, sometimes you gotta calm down, like hear that too. Some of the sermon is like, chill out, okay? Like, chill out, don't be a total aggressive jerk, right? Like, just, if you, uh, wives, if your husband is, you know, a little bit that way, just kind of rein him in a little bit, you know, be like, chill out. You don't have to go after everything. So, be prepared, be willing to stand. This doesn't have to be some crazy, romanticized, dramatic thing. God works in a lot of interesting ways in our lives. We have to, every single day, have the Spirit of God filling us, be in tune with the Lord, and aware of who we are in Christ so that we're ready when we're reviled to speak up or to offer love and kindness back, representing who Jesus is. Whatever it is, we'll know in that time through the guidance of the Holy Spirit what we need, the direction we need to take. But we have to be willing to be open to the guidance of the Lord rather than our emotional response. Does that make sense? We have to be willing to be guided by Him rather than emotionally respond. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. It says, this is going to the Apostle Paul. And yes, we're just kind of jumping in there, but... He says, repay no one for e or evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I want to pause there for a second. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. What does that really mean? Does that mean do what people want Christians to be doing and just shut up? No. Doing what is honorable in the sight of all is under the umbrella of being loving and gentle and respectful with how we engage with people, right? It, does, it never means to just suppress the truth about who Jesus is, right? If possible, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, I mentioned that earlier, Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Y'all hear that? Let's say it with me. Never avenge yourselves. One more time. Never avenge yourselves. Why am I repeating that so much? Because when you do take revenge... It creates a cycle of vengeance. A cycle of vengeance. And for us, we're not living in a day, all right, where we got people like, I'm like, Katie, I'm going to go to war, you know, and like, go siege this castle and I'll have my revenge. You know, we're not in that type of a day, all right? 
but that might be a much smaller kind of issue for us, a much more subtle thing in our lives. So be on watch, be careful. Do not avenge yourselves. It creates a cycle that goes on and on. How many families do you know that are completely broken because they continuously can't forgive each other and they keep avenging themselves to one another? Am I right? I've seen that plenty of times. And remember that theme of forgiveness. The solution to this. Are we willing to really forgive? Even if the person who's done harm to us doesn't apologize. That's really hard, especially for certain things that have happened to people that are really traumatic. I understand that. But Jesus is there to walk us through that. He gives us the strength to walk through that. Verse 19, or sorry, verse, uh, well, continuing 19. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to what? The wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord will avenge. The Lord will do that. The Lord is just. We need to trust him with that. And some of that might not be in this life, by the way. There is a whole long everlasting life to come. And we're going to be with the Lord. Or there's going to be those that are suffering punishment for their sins. That's the reality, right? And justice and things that are evil that happen to us, sometimes it won't be made right or understandable until that point. We also have to be willing to submit to that. Right? So verse 20, to the contrary. Again, to the contrary. Instead of avenging yourself. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, like I have been with the frog in my throat. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his Head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. There's some people that I've heard use the verse. In fact, I think I even used it once or twice in this way, just to be honest. Um, verse 20, that if you do these good things to someone, you're going to it's going to be like burning coals in their head. This is like a, me it's a metaphor, right? It's saying that you doing good to them is going to be hard for them to handle and cause them to pause and think. It's going to be almost painful. Like, what? Why aren't they trying? Like, what? Why aren't they fighting with me? You know? It's, it's counter, contrary to their nature, right? But that is a way to serve them and love them as Jesus did. Not an excuse to just be really nice to people, but with bitterness, <laughs> Y'all tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I'm just going to be really nice and smile, but really inside you're harboring hatred for someone, and you're like, ah, it's just going to hurt them. That is not what is happening here, right? Yes, it will 
cause them discomfort. But that is not our motivation. Right? That should not be our motivation. Motivation is to see them repent of the evil that they're committing, right? Motivation is to show them through giving them water, through giving them something, through finding out in a more practical way, like, what do you need? What is happening? Like, how can I pray for you, right? Because obviously, if they're being hurtful or harmful, there's something going on that's probably contributing to that. Verse 21, just repeating again, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And N.T. Wright's book, Evil and the Justice of God, there's a point, I don't have the quote, I was, um, but he says something along the lines of, in the cross of Christ, evil for all time has been dealt with. In the cross of Jesus, evil, past, present, and to come, has been dealt with. Because there, he paid for the sins of the world for those who would call upon him and trust in him. In 1 Peter, going back, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, just picking up right after where we had left off. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So in so doing, Christ suffered for our sake. And in that example, we, like Peter encourages there, should be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake as well. Right? We have to be willing. Suffering as a Christian is partaking in Christ's suffering. Do you all catch that in the New Testament? Like it, it's, there's a whole doctrine of that, basically. That we are to suffer with Christ for the sake of righteousness. But again, the question remains, are we actually willing to do that? How different would this community be if this church and others around it, everyone in those churches was willing to suffer for Christ, to make those engaging um, or make an opportunity where they can engage with someone about Jesus. See the opportunity. Do the things that he's commanded. If everyone did that as diligently as they could, what difference would that make? I can guarantee not everyone's doing that all the time. Right? And that's not an easy task either. I'm aware that following Jesus and suffering for Jesus and doing the right thing is hard. In fact, doing the right thing is usually the hardest thing. Doing the right thing is usually the hardest thing. Especially when we've been wronged. So Christ also suffered that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He was raised to life as a first fruit for us. He was raised to life. So that in his resurrection, in our faith in him, he has taken on our sin, forgiven it, 
redeemed us, justified us before God, those of us who are in Christ. And we will one day be raised to life in victory over death. What an amazing truth, right? If we have not placed our faith in Him, if anyone here has not done that, I encourage you today to not wait, to trust in Jesus, the one who can help you overcome evil in your life, because He is good, capital G. He is the source of all things good in this world. He has designed it. He has created it. He has given it. He has allowed us to partake in it. He is goodness. And He will overcome and has overcome evil in Christ. And I encourage you today to not be a slave to sin and evil anymore. If you haven't repented and believed and trusted in Jesus, do so today. Because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. That is not a manipulative tactic. There's people who are gone that I never expected to be gone. We don't know what's going to happen the next day. Right? So be prepared. Be prepared for this and trust in Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray as the band, I believe, comes up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today that we're gathered here in this place, a safe place when there's so many people around the world who are brothers and sisters in Christ who do not have this type of safety. They do not have this type of community. God, I'm thankful for what you've given us. And I pray for those brothers and sisters around the world that suffer evil much more regularly and substantially than we do here as Christians. And I pray that you would give them strength, that you would embolden them. And God, we thank you that you, through the Son, have overcome death, that you have overcome evil for us, and that you offer righteousness in your Son. And I pray that if anyone hasn't repented and believed and trusted in you, that they would do so today. And God, help us, your sons and daughters that are here, to be witnesses of your love, to be truth-tellers, to be emboldened by your Holy Spirit to represent you to those around us, to share your love boldly with the world, with our neighbor, with our friend, with our family, whoever it is. God, I pray that we'd be guided by your Holy Spirit, that we would stop and think before we do, before we react to the evil, wicked things going on around us or to us. It's your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.